stationary y'all know i love to take notes i love to write i love to write on paper i love to write notebooks matt what'd you give me for christmas this year i got you notebooks and pens and organizers correct i love it uh and i find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a like a text file or whatever actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called nanodots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you've got a paper-like and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, <laughs> that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com Ajax, click Buy Paper-like, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. 
So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax to get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Comics Catch Up. My name is Matt Wilson. Chris Sims is here with me. And you heard me a moment ago explain what it is. So we don't even have to tell you what the show is, but we can tell you what we read. It was Ultimates 2. Uh, the later one, written by Al Ewing, with mostly art this time around. Travel Foreman Travel is Foreman. doing yeah. most of the art on this. Odd Coke, I think that's how you say that artist's name, uh, did a couple issues. But Travel Foreman is doing eight of the ten issues here. Uh, that's right, only ten issues to, to close out Al Ewing's run. On the Ultimates. It's uh, weird that it's only 10, because I could have sworn the last one I read was number 100. Now, how did they get to 100 issues of Ultimates? So it has to be all of all of Ultimates, Ultimates 2, Ultimates 3. Yeah. The Ultimate Comics Ultimates. Right. Does that all add up to 100? And, and, then, and then the Al Ewing Ultimates and, uh, and Ultimates 2. Well, there's the Michel Fife Ultimates. Also, I'm sorry. You remember the Michel Fife Ultimates? I definitely don't. We interviewed him about them. <laughs> Matt, there's a lot that happens every day. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you watch the news. A lot going on out there. A lot going on. I would say that was circa 2014 ish, mm-hmm. 2015. Uh, it was a team with Miles Morales and America Chavez, I believe, on it. Listen, you're 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 telling me that we talked about this. Uh, it sounds great. It sounds incredibly dope. It was a good book. It was a good book. But uh, st- even even still, even with all those Ultimates books, it's it a bit of a shock to me that there are a hundred issues of the Ultimates. But they couldn't possibly say that last issue was one hundred without there having been a hundred. There's no, no that way. Would, that would be impossible. The Comics Code would have come down like a hammer. That's right. The authority of the Comics Code would have smashed Midnighter, it. Apollo, <laughs> Jenny Sparks, Jenny Quantum, Jenny Comics. That's right. Johnny DC Continuity Cop. I mean, I guess this is 11 issues worth of content, because that 100 issue is like double-sized, if not more. Mm-hmm. But still, surprising that this was only ten issues, because yes. there's a Very lot going on in this book. Oh, Matt, where do you, where do you want to start with uh, what's going on in this book? Are you talking about when um, when uh, John One One becomes uh, Marvel Comics canon? <laughs> that's some that's some cross podcast intertextuality that I can bring to the table. Who knew that chaos and order? could be such compelling villains for a book. Now, if you have not read this comic, Matt and I are talking about how Lord Chaos and Master Order, you you remember them from, say, the Infinity Gauntlet or or Captain Marvel. They fuse together and then they eat the in-betweener and then they turn into uh into the word. <laughs> the logos. The word that was with God and was God in yes. John one one. They literally become logos, uh, and it and it looks like. I mean, I want to say it looks like a bayonetta villain, but it looks like a like an angel, which is what bayonetta villains look like. 
multiple heads surrounded by a ring of arms and wings. I don't, like, shout out to Travel Foreman for... Because I don't know how you would describe that to someone. I mean, it looks like Seraphim is what it looks like. Uh, How about when Ego becomes a guy? You mean mean when Ego grows a little body? Yeah, he becomes Ego Prime. And and then Ego's little body, uh, like, at the end, Ego goes back to being a planet, and his little body just kind of, like, snaps off and floats away. Yeah, he just kind of tears off his body. Yeah. His, his little body that he grew to be Ego Prime. Yeah, see, Galactus goes up inside Ego's head and, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and touches his brain with life powers. Because you find out the Ego also used to be a guy before he was a living planet. Yeah. Here's my one complaint about Ultimates 2 and why... Now, Yes. I'm sorry. I I I don't want to interrupt you, but I do want to talk real quick about the ultimate ultimates. <laughs> the ultimate ultimates, which is a team of celestial beings. It's it's all the eternities from the past seven iterations of the universe because we're on the eighth iteration of the universe. But you know, if you're a con- uh, contest of champions, that's why we have ISO eight now, yeah. like in Marvel Puzzle Quest. Yes, the because of Secret Wars, right? Yeah. This is the eighth iteration of the universe. Yeah. And and so like all the past seven eternities, except for the fourth one, who I think is Stanley. <laughs> Cause he's the true believer who journeys into mystery. Yes, the, the fourth eternity is lost. Oh, oh no, I get it now. Oh, I'm dumb. I get it. Okay, hit me. It's the fourth world. It's Kirby, not Lee. It's Kirby. It's Kirby. Yes. Fourth world. Very good. Yes. Yeah. True Believer threw me off, because that was a stand thing. Right. I mean, I guess it could be some combination of Kirby and Lee. It could be. Maybe. But I mean, um, like, I, I feel like a real... It wasn't until I said out loud that he's the fourth universe. He was the fourth eternity, yeah. Yeah, the fourth eternity. Because they're the... um. They're the ultimate ultimates, but they're not the, uh, the, uh, what, what is it? The, the Eternity Defenders? Yeah, they're not the Eternity Defenders. Oh, man, this book, I love how this book just kind of stops being about the characters that are on the cover after a while. Okay, that was going to be my one complaint about it, is this stops being a book about the ultimates. It stops being about it stops being a book about Captain Marvel and Photon and Blue Marvel and America Chavez. And it becomes a book about all these celestial characters or all these like space characters. Yeah, it becomes a thing where you thought this was a book about Carol Danvers and Shala. And then, no, actually, the character who was around since the beginning that this book is actually about is Galactus, which I kind of dig, because it is a a pretty interesting way of getting, like, a stealth Galactus book out. But at the same time, it does, like, it does live up to what it is. I mean, we have, like, the, we, like, have the Mark Miller, Brian Hitch Ultimates show up. Which is hilarious. Yes. Because uh, Hulk, Hulk is talking about how he's a nice guy, but he's also alpha. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I appreciate the book for what it is. Absolutely. And it absolutely does wrap up what is laid out in the first Ultimate series. Mm-hmm. Like, because the, the big hanging thread from the first Ultimate series is why is eternity chained up, right? Mm-hmm. And, we, and we're supposed to, like, learn why that happened. And, and this solves that. Absolutely it does. But it, it doesn't necessarily live up to the promise of being a sequel to the previous Ultimates book. You know? It, I think it does and it doesn't. I, I feel like it in our in our kind of ideal world, right? Uh, Ultimates by Al Ewing, Kenneth Rockford, Travel Foreman would have been Scoregirl. It would have gone for fifty issues or more, you know, fifty plus issues, and been about various weird corners of the Marvel Universe, right? Like, the whole deal, as stated in the first one, is they're the the ultimate heroes who want to solve the ultimate problems. Right. Yes. And, you know, hence the name. And I I feel like we don't actually get that, except we do. Because what we we think we're going to get when we hear that is we think we're going to get, like, oh, it's going to be, like, the the ultimate problems like you know Doctor Doom or or I don't know Gorgo or Monster Island or or some of that stuff that we love, but what it is is the ultimate problems is like no we mean like ultimate ultimate <laughs> like the multiverse like, what like the, the universe the, yeah what the universe is made of like yeah who's running the universe yeah is Galactus going to be good or is Galactus going to be bad. Yeah, is is he going to be uh, the life bringer, or is he going to be a zombie? He gets made into a zombie at one point. Yeah. Like, after Chaos in Order become Logos, they, like, suck out all his, his goodness and life essence, and make him, like, a Galactus husk. Yeah, they, they give him back the hunger. Oh, he gets the hunger. He He gets the hunger back. I just re- remembered uh, the thing in the last issue, the other Kirby homage in the last issue, which is the fifth host. That's a thing. That's a Marvel Universe thing, though. Okay. Because the the Celestials were the fourth host of Celestials. Oh, so this is the – okay. I got it. Okay. Yeah. But I think that – I think them being the fourth host of Celestials might have been like a, a retcon – like a kirby theme retcon. Yeah. I don't know. The Celestials it, are complicated. It seems like it would be. Yeah. I like this comic a lot. I, I think it's it's a hoot, yeah. I do think I enjoyed reading the first Ultimates run more. It's it's tough to say because I do think they are very different books in a lot of ways. Yes. I mean one one leads into the other. Mm-hmm. But the focus of Ultimates 2 is entirely different it's much broader it's a it's a it's a big broad view of the team because or of the the content i suppose because we get some stuff in the first two issues that like wraps up like i said wraps up the hanging threads of the first ultimate series um because because in addition to the stuff with eternity being chained up we also were left with 
okay, why can't the Ultimates be a team anymore? Like, why are they being prevented from being a team? Mm-hmm. And so that first issue has to get them back together where they basically become the Galactus Task Force. They become the Heralds of Galactus. Yeah, like they... Working for uh, Miss America Chavez. They don't answer to uh, governments anymore. Their concerns are no longer at all earthly. Uh, they they are asked point blank if they stand with Galactus. <laughs> and so uh, that's what they are. And, and there's this promise, so to speak, that they will be a team led by America Chavez working for Galactus. Yeah. And there's a little of that in the book, but it really like turns its eye very very galactic very fast. Yeah, I mean but again, to be fair, like I think once once uh once Master Order eats Lord Chaos Mm-hmm. And then they eat the in-betweener, and they become John 1-1. That removes everything. But don't forget about when the new universe showed up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, we we did have a solid, like, two issues of the Ultimates fighting the new universe characters, which was wild. Uh, but- and then we did have, you know, we had that really good cliffhanger of, you know, the, our Ultimates, the... Carol Danvers, T'Challa Ultimates versus the Miller and Hitch Ultimates. So I do think it does deliver on that in a way. I do think it happens very quickly. Uh, issue two, issue two, Chaos and Order kill the Living Tribunal. Mm-hmm. They they use their heat vision, <laughs> I guess. Well, I, I want to ask you how you feel about the art in this because I don't think Travel Foreman does a bad job, but I think I prefer. The Roquefort art from the first series a little more. It's it's kind of hard to say because I I, I keep arguing we, with you that this is actually uh, exactly the book that it says it is on the cover, and then being like, but it's very different. Yeah. But again, it is very different. Like we get you know Reed Richards and High Evolutionary stuff, which I think we would have expected from the 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 first arc, but we're also getting the logos. Which is, you, you know, what does the Living Tribunal skull look like, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> Which I do not um, uh, envy uh, Travel Foreman having this uh, th- this this job. I do. Like, I, I think he does an incredible job. I think uh, Kenneth Rockefort is more not stylish, somewhere between stylish and stylized. You know, like there's there's definitely a definitive kind of look to his art that I feel like well, travel foreman seems like it is the, how can I say say this? It's the, it's the Klaus Jansen to his Bill Sienkiewicz, you know? I, I get that. But, but talking about being stylized, like Roquefort is pretty much recognizably himself uh, through all the issues that he draws in that first run. Mm-hmm. Foreman is trying some stuff in especially the first couple of issues of this where like the galactic stuff looks so different oh when everything's like cgi because it's in a higher dimension where where only metaphors apply <laughs> or, or it's all just colors like there's no pencil there's no pencil lines on those mm-hmm. pages it's these kind of like metallic colors 
And I know exactly what he's going for with that. Like he's trying to give it a different look, but also he very notably abandons that by like issue four, because it, it, it's a different look, but I don't know if it's a good look on the page. You know what I mean? I, I commend him for experimenting and there's absolutely nothing wrong with trying something new and trying a different look in in a in a comic book but some of it just didn't quite land for me in the way that I think it was intended um it doesn't detract from the story really but it is i i think it is a thing where like you kind of notice the art more than getting engrossed in the story there's a bit where the art is addressed like like Galactus pretty much says, hey, this is why this looks like this. And I do wonder if, you know, th- there's always that thing where as a, as a writer, you can, you can go back and clarify once the art's in, right? Because it doesn't take as much time to re-letter a page as it does to redraw one. And I wonder if that's like, I, I, again, I don't think this because I think it was pretty easy to kind of grasp what was happening. I, I think it was pulled off pretty well. But I do, I am left wondering, like, oh, was that, like, a thing where somebody felt like they needed to go back in? Either an editor or, or Ewing. I don't think so, but I can see, if you told me that, I could see where you were coming from. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the con- concept of the Ultimates, the, the Carol Danvers team, essentially getting locked out of Earth. Yeah, and that's a, that's a, a, a Secret Empire thing. Yeah. That was to explain why uh, Thor didn't just knock Captain America's head off, uh, which I know because we also did the, um, you know, Chad Bowers and I uh, did the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy tie-in where that was a, a plot line or a plot yeah. point right? Uh, with uh, Danilo Bayruth and Tamara Bonvillain. That was the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, special that I think is honestly, if you haven't read that, and I don't mean you, Matt, I'm sure you've read it. I'm sure you have it, you know, framed. <laughs> yes, it's... it's uh... In a big old frame in my office. Yeah. Uh, that is that is maybe my single favorite issue we've done for Marvel. Because uh, we got to do so much cool stuff, and, and Tamara and Danilo were so good. Uh, but yeah, like I, I like... I loved knowing how big a deal that was meant to be. And then, like, you know, Galactus shows up, and he's like, Hey guys, I need you over here. <laughs> and then, like, you know, Captain Marvel just, boop, blips out. I think the thing about all of this, like a- any gripes that I have, which are small, like I I like the book way more than I dislike it. I think all of it you can lay at the feet of only having 10 issues to do all this stuff in. Yes. So it at points it doesn't feel like you get enough of the stuff you want, you know? Like I don't feel like I get enough of the Ultimates team that we got to know in that first series. There's a, a, a nice taste of, you know, ARM Ultimates versus the original Ultimates uh, in the last issue. There's some stuff with the, you know, Ultimate Reed Richards just being a real stick in the mud. I, I love Ultimate Reed Richards as a villain. I think Ultimate Reed 
as what, what is his name? The Maker. The Maker is yeah. such a good idea. Like that's that's like you know top ten Hickman ideas. It it gives the ultimate Reed Richards something to do, for sure. Uh, I love the Queen of Nevers. The Queen of Nevers. I, I'm glad you you brought her up because I didn't want to forget to talk about how much I absolutely love the Queen of Nevers. You talk, you talking about you talk about the the living embodiment of every what if. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, the Queen of Nevers. She she's not she doesn't exist in eternity. She exists outside of eternity because she's everything that's never happened. <laughs> Yeah. That's fucking brilliant. That's how she got to come in and be the referee. <laughs> yeah. Which is Jesus. basically what she is. Uh, so I'm looking at the the it's Ultimate Ultimates. The Ultimate Ultimates. The multiverse is assembled. Uh, you've got the second... Eternity Watch. They were the Eternity Watch. It wasn't Secret Defenders. It was uh, Infinity Watch. They were the okay. Eternity Watch. You've got the second, the third, the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh. They're all there to fight the first universe, the first multiverse, which is the overarching villain of the piece. Yeah, who's the, the first firmament is his name. Right. Their name? It, we'll say its name. Uh, and then on that page it does say, the fourth is missing. He is the pilgrim, the true believer who journeys into mystery. One day he will return. Yeah. Which, that would be the fourth world. Yeah, that's the that's the fourth world. So that's, that's Jack. Okay, but it's the it's the. But again, you see what was throwing me off. It's the uh, the true believer, the dang old true believer. Yeah, yeah. It's good shit, man. It is so much of that Marvel Comics bullshit. Oh, it's like it's a thing that I. It's always frustrating when when you love a book that ends too soon. That, that gets canceled. Yeah. Um, although it's 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 tough to be, it's tough to know whether this book got canceled early or if the plan was always to bring it back, get to number one hundred, and then wrap it up. You know, I mean, it's going at a pretty breakneck pace from yeah. word one on page one. It definitely it definitely is going hard to fit it all in, and I kind of love it when a book does that. Yeah, I absolutely love it when a book does that. I would not be surprised if if the deal from the start wasn't okay. Okay, Al, you got nine regular issues and one double sized issue to just do everything you want to do, you know, <laughs> and and try to bring the original Ultimates back at some point. Yeah, because it's it's going to be number one hundred. He did pull it off. He and Travel Foreman and, and the other artists who worked on this book, including Mark Bagley in issue 100, which is the ultimate Marvel Comics bullshit. <laughs> he's, the, he's the ultimate ultimate. He, he really is. He's literally he, the ultimate artist of the ultimate universe. He's drawn more comics with the ultimate on the cover than anybody else. Yeah. I, I hope he, he, I'm sure Mark Bagley does not have or need business cards, but. If he gets them, he should put uh, the Ultimate Marvel Comics bullshit on them. Because <laughs> we mean it in only the nicest way. Yes, anytime we talk about Marvel Comics bullshit, rest assured, it is a high compliment. Marvel Comics bullshit is exactly what we are here for. Yeah, and I mean, like, this book is essentially 
the current arc of Justice League, right? Like, it's it's all that same universes and multiverses, and what if the multiverse was a dude? <laughs> and then what if a dude had to fight the multiverse? It's all that same stuff, but, like, I love that shit. And I love that it's... You can do it with the Marvel Universe in such a different way than you can do it in the DC Universe. And there's, like, weird fundamental underpinnings of these comics that, by and large, for... 40 years have been made by the same people. You know, yeah. it's it's been it's been your Roy Thomases and your Marv Wolfmans and your your Jeff Johnses and your Brian Bendises going back and forth. And your yeah, your Jim shooters. Yeah, your 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 Jim's shooter. <laughs> uh I love that it all works out in such a different way. And in in the uh the the DC universe, you can be like, yeah, here's the thing you didn't know. You didn't know that the, the monitor and the anti-monitor were brothers because <laughs> they were the children of Perpetua and they had a third brother who was the world forger. But doing this one where it's like, oh yeah, this is the eighth universe. You know how this is the eighth universe, but Galactus survived the sixth universe? <laughs> like, it's all very, like, because Galactus being a, a a survivor of the Big Bang is old Marvel Comics continuity. That's been yes. around since the 70s, at least. Yeah, that's been around for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, sort of combining that in with this thing that is 1 million percent a video game tie-in is hilarious to me. I love it. I will say, I I think part of why this Ultimates 2 felt weird to me in a way that Ultimates 1 did not is that in some ways it does feel like DC Comics, DC Comics cosmic storytelling rather than Marvel mm-hmm. cosmic storytelling in some ways. You know what I mean? Y- yes. I do know what you mean. Like, because a lot of times Marvel is just like, all this stuff is here, it's always been here, and this is the way it is. Whereas this is more about, like, the distinct universes and the past universes. And that's very DC Comics. Mm-hmm. You know? That's that's some convergence stuff. There is nothing that is more DC Comics, in, in a good way, nothing that is more DC Comics in this uh, entire run of, of 22 issues than um, when the Black Panther goes to talk to the original Cat God... <laughs> Who's the, who's the white tiger god? Uh-huh. And is like, oh, I know, like, you know, you you don't respect people who uh, submit to your will. You only respect people who conquer you and take your power. And that's what I'm about to do. And then that happens off-panel, and then the next time Black Panther shows up, he's fighting gods in god space, because <laughs> he's got white tiger god power. <laughs> like, that is, there is nothing more Grant Morrison Batman than that. That is true. Yes. But in a way that, like, I think really works well for for Black Panther. I mean, like, that's, you know, the thing I have said about uh, T'Challa before is how can you not think he's one of the best characters in comics? He's King Batman. And, like, that part where, uh, where they're fighting, where they're fighting Cyforce, and uh, he gets his, his suit taken off. All the nanites in his suit get shut down. And he's like, he's like, oh. A warrior isn't just a weapon. <laughs> That's your rules. All right, let's rank 
Ultimates 2. The only thing I know for sure, I think, from my point of view, is that it goes below the other Al Ewing Ultimate series. But I don't think it goes too far below. I don't know. Like, I... I really respect how much is crammed into this and how hard it goes. I I appreciate this on a look at how much they did level. I absolutely enjoyed the first series more as a story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the first one, this one was more... I, I, I'll say, I guess I could say it has a wow factor to it. But in terms of being an enjoyable story, mm-hmm. I think the first Ultimate series has it beat. Uh, well, we have the first Ultimates book very high on the yeah, list. Yeah, it's, it's up there. It's 114, I believe. 114, yeah. I was actually looking for it, and I ran into the Ultimates, and I was like, is this it? And then I realized that one was at number 745, and I'm like, ooh, no, that one is not the one I am looking for. That's the other Ultimates, yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Like, I think, like, I think you're, you're probably right. You're probably right. I am willing to accept that it will go below. Uh, but I, again, I don't think it's going to go far below. I think it's probably, it does so much is the thing. There is a lot. I, I think it, I don't think it coheres together as a story, like I said, as well as the previous series. Yeah, but it's it's hard to judge this against something like Green Arrow Year One, which is pretty tightly focused. Yeah, I mean, th- that's a big part of this, is so much of it is so highly conceptual. Yeah, in, in, in a very explicit way, where people are literally saying, hey, those are concepts. Standing around having conversations. Yes. I mean, chaos and order are concepts. Yeah. One concept ate another concept, which ate a third concept. (sighs) They ate them between her. Joining them together as a fully conceptual mega being. Yeah. A fully conceptual mega being is, I think, the best way to put it. You are correct. Scripture... Made flesh. Yep. Yep. In the beginning was the Logos, Matt. But does that make that story better than New Gods number six, the glory boat? Well, I mean, it's very comparable to that, right? Like, like New Gods... Like, New Gods number six, particularly New Gods number six, the glory boat, is conceptual comics. Capital C, capital C. Uh, it is it is all the concepts like th- there's there's no getting around what you know how the glory boat works it's it's all that and this is kind of you know this this doesn't exist without that obviously like again the further we get into it the more I'm like oh right that's why uh that's why the uh the the, the fourth world isn't there uh but it's <sighs> I don't know, is is all of this comic better than that single issue? I mean, I think that's up to you to decide, my friend. <sighs> okay, well, it's, it's definitely better than 
It's definitely better than Man of Steel. It's definitely better than than Suicide Squad Ten. Is it? But is it okay? Is a super conceptual, crammed full of ideas book like this better than a book like Hawkeye Volume One, which totally recontextualizes a character, gives them an emotional, grounded story that's mega relatable? And fully changed Clint Barton forever. Yeah, and, and I was just uh, you know better. I came home from uh, I came home from HeroesCon where uh, we did some hanging out with uh, with Matt Fraction a little bit, and uh, and Aiden was like, "Yeah, you ever forget that that guy wrote like one of the best comics of all time? <laughs> like, you ever remember that that Hawkeye is like one of the best comics of the century?" And that is true. So that's that's been on my mind quite a bit lately. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Fraction's written three or four runs that I would say did a lot to bring characters into the 21st century or modernize Number one, them. Rex right? Mantooth. Of course, Rex Mantooth. Uh, but certainly his Iron Man run also did that. Yeah, I was I was reading that recently as well. That's good. That's good stuff. Yeah, it's just you know, dude writes good comics, and uh, yeah. you know, Iron Fist. Here's here's my my floor is is Suicide Squad number ten. My ceiling is absolutely uh, the O'Neill, Denny O'Neill, Dennis Cowan question, because I feel like if you want to talk about stories that are complicated and like work with a lot of conceptual stuff and, and fundamentally change their characters, et cetera, et cetera. Like that's like, I mean, that's that for 30 or 40 issues, you know, that's, that's what does the question look like in a world that already has Rorschach in it? I mean, I Uh, feel like we've already, I, uh, my gut says to put this below Hawkeye volume one. Okay. Above think, Suicide Squad number 10. Uh, I think that is fair. I think that's fair. So let's put it at 136 on the list. Uh, I'm, this is the ultimate squared. The ultimate squared 2016. Uh, not that Mark Miller shit. That Mark Miller bullshit, which is yeah. a completely different brand. <laughs> All right, we did it. We ranked Ultimates 2, we read it, we caught up. Now, in the near future, it's time for us to read another book that we need to catch up on. So, send me suggestions for things we should read. That's a thing you should do. So I can put up the poll... And we can decide on our comics catch-up for July. So hit me up on Twitter, at the Matt D. Wilson, or send a suggestion to our Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com, or email us suggestions at warrocketpodcast at gmail.com, and then we can figure out what we'll catch up on next. Do we have any, uh, any contenders for what we might do? Well, there are holdovers from the last time. Uh, we still have Nameless that we haven't read. We still have Hellboy in Hell 
which has been suggested to us by several people. Those two likely will be in the next poll. But I think people, there's a sense that people want us to do some stuff that's not Marvel uh, for the next comics catch up. So if you have some some non-Marvel suggestions, some non-DC suggestions, uh, we are more than happy to to do those on the comics catch up list. So let me know what you would like for us to read. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think we're in for a good time, no matter what it is. Assuming that we only put some good time comics on that list, and and maybe don't send us uh, ideas for books that you loved in your childhood, because we all remember what happened. If unless you had like just a very discerning childhood, <laughs> or if you're you were me or Matt, in which case you will still like all that stuff. All right, yeah, let's just let's just not talk about what will now be known as Incident X. <laughs> Some of the cross time incident. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Comics Catch-Up is made possible by Patreon, our support on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash Ajax to kick in a little bit of money to make sure that we keep doing this every month. Uh, we're having fun. We're having fun with it. Ultimates 2, a blast. Absolute blast. And we loved reading it. Very respectable position on the list, also. Mm-hmm. That hit page mm-hmm. three. Page four. Sorry, page four. But it's page four of twenty-three. Yeah, it's the a, every it's story ever list. Quadrant. The every story ever list is currently twenty-three pages. Boy, is it! It just barely though. It's twenty-two and a little bit. Twenty-two and a little bit. Identity crisis hanging out right now at number nine thirty-three. So we're on the road to a thousand. On the road to a thousand comic book stories ranked. Identity Crisis is down there at number 933, like Bane sitting naked on a throne of skulls. (laughs) It has weathered every challenger. Really has. At this point, will it ever be dethroned? I mean, Heroes in Crisis really shot for it, but did not. It came at the king and missed. Very true. Very true. See you next month, everybody. Suggest stories for us. Every story ever is coming soon. Bye. Bye.